Thanks for listening. You can find out more and be heard by going to herdimmunitypod.com. So I just got an email last week uh, from, I don't know if it's like the Nigerian prince of uh, former MySpace, but back in 2008, I want to say, I made a whole bunch of really weird garage band uh, EDM songs just because I was bored. And I put them all on MySpace. And uh, every once in a while, I get this email from some account that's like, we want to play your tracks in our top 100 EDM something something. And I'm like... <laughs> this has to be a scam because they're so terrible that there's no way anybody actually wants to play them. Quick question. What are your opinions on uh, Tony Kukoc? Is he Serbian? I can't remember. I don't even, I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> I forget where, I think he's like, uh, the Serbian he, assassin. Yeah. Something like that. Or Croatian I was trying to come or up, something. Yeah. I was trying to come up with a cool basketball nickname, but I can't remember where he's from. I watched an entire thing once on, um, um, was it Vlade Divac, I think? Uh-huh. I was like super sick one weekend and I was fading in and out of consciousness and I had ESPN on for like 48 hours. And at one point, I think it was like three in the morning, I woke up and didn't know what time it was. And there was like a documentary on Vlade Divac on, I think he's, he's from somewhere in like Southeastern Europe and it was just like to him in his hometown or i hallucinated it i might have hallucinated <laughs> thing. I don't every time they said his name did they go uh divats. yeah okay so i thought so you hallucinated that too yep same dream i really think you guys are just saying words that aren't real like i think <laughs> I, I don't think anything you're saying right now is real and i'm just gonna sit here okay guys i'm gonna send you a picture all right get ready for it uh did you do send it Okay, now, why want you to, what I want you to look at is not the penny in the picture, but I want you to look at the thing beside the penny. What do you think that is? A uh, crow's toe. A crow's toe? Nice. It. I have no idea. It could be a piece of wood that's now covered in blood so it doesn't look like wood, or it could be a shard from a bullet shell. I have no idea. For the third chair, just so you know, that this picture will be in the show notes. You can feel free to take a look at this picture in the show notes. Um, okay, so Tyler, do you want to refine your guess at all? Uh, it is a piece of mulch. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, Josh, would you like to refine now? Um, uh, hmm. I would say, see, the problem here is with the picture, the little thing at the top. It kind of – there's no uniformity. I like Tyler's mulch guess. Um, hmm. I honestly – besides a splinter, a, a enormous splinter or a piece of mulch, I have no idea okay. what this thing could be. It looks it painful. Is, it is a piece of wood, a splinter, uh-huh. right, from, our, from my, my parents' deck that was pulled mm. out of my father's thumb – so, mm. Josh, you were you were perfect in in your first guess. It okay. is wood that has been covered in blood and disgusting, mm. and then was removed from my fa- my father's thumb. Here's the kicker to this: I didn't send that because I thought it would be fun to send you guys a picture of a splinter that was pulled out of my father's thumb. He's gone to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. He's gone to like Med Express. He's gone to like multiple different doctors, and none of them could figure it out, and none of them could fix it. But look how big the piece of wood is. 
How do you miss that? Wait, how? they didn't know that that was in there? So, so my parents went there and said, hey, my dad was sanding the, or, you know, Ron was sanding the deck, right? And we're pretty sure he got a splinter in his thumb and it hurts really bad and now it's really swollen and it's all gross and yada, yada, yada. And they were like, okay, we'll x-ray it and we'll look at it and we'll do all this stuff. And they're like, we can't do it. We can't find anything. We don't see anything in his thumb. We can't find anything. Are you serious? Yeah. So that was that was Med Express, right? So then a couple of days later, when it doesn't get any better and it continues to swell and continues to get like nasty, my mom's like, "You have to go to the emergency room. Hopefully, they'll like put some Novocaine in it and cut it out, or like at least open it up and explore whatever's in there." Yeah. Okay. So they go and they go. Yeah, we're not going to do anything with this. Um, we're afraid it's infected and we're not going to we're not going to work on it. So guess how the splinter came out? <laughs> guess guess how the splinter came out? Your dad pulled it out. This morning, my mom saw that the um, where they had like cr- tried to get it out before was starting to mm-hmm. close up, and she was like, "So my mom's a nurse, by the way." So okay. it's like she was like, "Ah, uh, you know, we probably don't want to let that clean up because that's or close up because that's going to be worse than before." And my dad was like, "It still really hurts." So they took a razor blade, right, and they oh. and they opened it up a little bit more, and then this evening, my dad's like, "Hey, get the tweezers. There's a black thing in my thumb." And we might be able to grab it. So then my, my, my mom grabs it with the tweezers and pulls it out. I'm feeling all the relief that he probably felt yeah. right there. She, she said it already feels better. He already feels better. I was like, Mom, you need to go back and get your money back. However yeah. much you paid these medical doctors, like they took you for a ride because that's ridiculous. Yeah. How big is your dad's thumb? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so yeah i mean my dad my dad has a pretty big thumb so i mean uh, that is like it's clearly the entire diameter of a penny and it was lodged in his thumb i mean i'm not saying that i got like giant grizzly bear hands or anything but that would go past my first knuckle yes yeah my my dad my dad's a uh he's a big man and the other thing is uh he's a tough man because he, he, <sighs> he told he told me the other day on the phone he's like well, Corey, I got to start my car with my two, like my first two fingers. I can't push with my thumb right now. That's a problem. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Can we go back to the other day? So how many days was this in yeah. his thumb? Yeah, he's been, he's been dealing with this for about a week. Uh, oh, little, no maybe, way. Maybe week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a. I thought it happened this morning. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. Like, in. Uh, yeah mm. yeah it's it's been a while so i figured you guys would appreciate that i mean for sure know, just a, just a little light you know mood music to to start the show so on that topic is there anything that makes you like queasy is there anything like blood or weird splinters covered mm. in death or roller coasters that spin a lot like is there anything you can't i have mine yeah what is it watching a snake eat something <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have never liked that. It's made me Ralph or almost Ralph. Sorry. Ralph is the word I use for throw up. Um, so it's made, it's made me, it's made me do that or almost do that pretty much every time I see the snake, like open up its jaw Mm. and release and then consume the thing whole. Yeah. That, that doesn't do it for me. Not a fan. That's disgusting. I, uh, I watched a video Corey that you'd probably appreciate the other day of, a snake eating a small snake opening unhinging its jaw getting an entire egg now not cooked fresh <laughs> through its in its mouth into its body 
and then constricted the egg and then regurgitated the shell and left the yolk and the whites inside. Oh my gosh, I hate you. It was <laughs> horrible. I hate snakes. That not seeing a snake eat something, but snakes make me queasy beyond belief. Uh, well, I'm just terrified of them, but just seeing them, oh, I hate them with a passion. The other thing I found out, which is really disappointing. So as you know, my wife is from the Dominican Republic. So when we move back to the States, specifically Pittsburgh, what's the first thing you do with someone in July in Pittsburgh when you're, they're visiting or moving here? Permani Brothers. Yeah. Well, second thing, because we did do that. Okay. Um, Kennywood. Yep. Yeah. Kennywood. So I, I talked to Huge Game about this local amusement park, Kennywood, and how all the roller coasters in high school, I would ride them a million times. We got off the Jackrabbit, which is the incredibly old, like one of the first coasters there besides the Thunderbolt. And I don't know if it's because I was in my 30s, but I was almost done for the day. And so I composed myself and acted tough and did the racers and then literally thought, I'm going to pass out here in the middle of the park <laughs> after two roller coasters. So I said, why don't we get something to eat? Maybe I'm just, you know, my stomach's upset or whatever because I haven't eaten anything. So we eat and then do the Phantom's Revenge. And pretty much I stuck to arcade games after that. So and haven't ridden roller coaster sets. I love roller coasters, <laughs> but apparently something happened from the 29 to 32 range that just ended my ability. Okay, so so I I watched um I watched this YouTube channel called Smarter Every Day, mm-hmm. and the guy he's a, he's actually a rocket scientist, um you know a rocket engineer, and he now doesn't do that. He's a he's a grad student now, but he still makes his YouTube uh, channel because he makes enough money off his YouTube channel that he could you know quit his other job and go back to grad school. But he he because he's so famous he gets to do really cool stuff like that's all engineering technology. He loves like military and department of defense and and things like that so he got to fly with the thunderbirds um and that's awesome he he goes up and like he's already been trained and they he's shown it in past videos but he's already been trained to wear like the compression suit and then like when they're gonna pull g's like to clench his whole body the way he doesn't lose all his blood from his brain and and all that stuff he's already been trained on all this stuff so he goes up and he's um they're doing maneuvers and they're doing different things and he's handling things, you know, 4G, 5Gs. You know, he's like handling that just fine and everything is good. They do a move that like shifts the plane a little bit and then pulls like 7Gs. And you watch like, well, as much as you can because he's got like the gigantic mask on and everything. But you watch like the blood go from his head and like his face kind of kind of white and he's like, yeah, I'm done. Uh yeah I'm I'm done like no, no more and he like he he called it like I tapped out right like I I was done and like the whole point of the video is he feels like all terrible about the fact that he couldn't do the nine G remove the nine G maneuver he could only make it to the seven point two and I was like dude you got to fly with the Thunderbirds first off stop and you hit and you hung with seven point two G's the point of the story is not that that's cool it, it was a fun video if you want to watch it go watch it smarter every day but um. The point of it is he went to the uh, doctor that trains these pilots and trains like NASA astronauts and stuff. And mm-hmm. your inner ear, they say the reason that happens, and Josh, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the same thing happened for you. The fluid in your inner ear, like when you started to spin and shift and turn, mm-hmm. 
that fluid will keep moving like inertial. It'll keep moving with like inertia, but your body stops moving and it completely uh. jacks your brain up. Like, because the fluid is telling your brain you're still moving, but you know, you're not still moving and like everything just gets all out of whack. And that's, and that's supposedly what happened to him. And that might be what happened to you. And that's why you're, you know, a Nancy now and you can't ride any roller coasters. Well, why did that not happen to me before? Because your body's changing, Josh. Oh, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> Love that scientific. Oh, oh that's, that's this episode now. Your body yeah. is changing. Yeah. Um, yes, your body's I'd changing. also like to point out that Josh is the best uh, uh, puker that I've ever met. Oh, yeah. Oh well, gosh. actually, that is, that's something that should have been mentioned prior because I do have a history of car sickness. And I do have a history of puking out a front window on uh, the highway and Corey being in the back seat as well. So, yeah, people, people <laughs> tend to like, people tend to dislike throwing up, but Josh leans into it. Yeah. I figure on the, you know, I dislike <laughs> it, but on the other side, I'm going to feel better. So you might as well quit fighting and just go, you know, just own it and lean in hard. <laughs> I'm dying. Yeah. Couple seconds of pain for a lot of relief. That's right back to the pulling the thing out of your out of your thumb. It's like uh, the new Doctor Pimple Popper. Oh, love that! I've lost hours and hours, maybe a week of my life with Doctor Pimple Popper. <laughs> oh, please stop! Like, can we just that move stuff on? makes you queasy? Can, oh, can we just move on, please, Tyler? Can we move on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So mine is uh, any abdominal. Uh, or how do I politically correctly say this? Any groin region, like uh, surgery or like issue, like even the word hernia just makes me, and it's not like when people say they had a hernia or whatever, people had hernia surgery and then talked about it a lot or whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't doesn't bother me like that you had it. It bothers me that I – for whatever reason, I always put myself in that person's spot only for that. Like if someone's like, oh, I had a heart attack. I have eight stents. I don't start having chest pains. But when someone's like, I had this weird thing pop out of my abdomen, I just immediately want to pass out and die. <laughs> okay. So wait. You've never had a groin surgery and have never seen a groin surgery, no. right? It's I just, just – I just picture it, what it would be like for myself. No, but, no, but okay. Josh, on a, on a call not too long ago – Mm-hmm. Someone who has had to have a hernia surgery in the last two weeks, <laughs> who is talking to you on this on this okay. uh, recording right now, may have described how you know they went in and they had to cut you know kind of like right you know in my lower abdomen, and then they went in there and they tucked some stuff back in, then they mm-hmm. sewed it all back up, and then they put some patches over oh, yeah. the muscle to make sure it healed well, and you know then there was kind of oozy blood in that you know that area, and uh, I mean I had to put ice, and you know yeah. somebody might have talked about all those details you know not too long ago with Tyler on the call. How many podcasts have someone actually throwing up on the the recording? <laughs> Is that you think there's a high number because it's about to be at least one? Well, it'll be it'll be two if we keep talking about this and Mr. Pimple Popper. <laughs> Mr. Pimple Popper. Mr. Pimple Popper. That's Mr. That's Mr. Pib's cousin. <laughs> well, well, no, no, no. Okay, hold on. What is the actual name? Doctor, and it's a woman. Oh yeah. Okay, sure. Okay, Whatever. Cause, cause they, are they are they an actual MD? Is that like your qualification? Yeah. Oh yeah. They have a TV show too. Or she does. 
Hey, question. Was this a getting old related injury, lifting, trying to be a high school superstar relating injury, or did you wake up one day and be like, hey, I think my intestines are hanging down in my nuts? <laughs> 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 Hey, uh, <laughs> Katie, can you come check this out? I'm not sure what this is, but I think oh I God. feel the the hot dog from last night where it shouldn't be. I'm going to die. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, no. So this, this, what I learned when I went to the appointment, cause like my only, my only knowledge of, sorry, let's, let's, uh, Tyler, are you still there? Um, barely hanging in. Okay, my only knowledge of an injury to the abdomen, right, like I had. Okay, I'm trying to be sensitive uh-huh. to the third member of our team here. Um, is that one in four guys gets them, uh-huh. and most, and a lot of the times, or with different kinds of them, it it happens at birth. Um, it like it happens when your uh, male parts descend into the region they're supposed to be in. It'll uh-huh. weaken the it'll weaken the stomach wall, and uh-huh. then. Eventually, it'll like rear its ugly head, and it'll like you'll either you either do something, and it doesn't even have to be um, like like you're trying to be he man. It's like you cough funny, yeah, or you know you're mowing the grass or something, and like you you'll further weaken it, and then that's when it causes the problem. But then there are other kind of hernias that are exactly what you're talking about. Oh, sorry, Tyler. <laughs> if there are other listen, kind of listen, there if are it other happens, kind of lower abdomen injuries. <laughs> Uh, if it happens to me, I'm just going to have someone put me down permanently. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there are other kind of lower abdomen industri- injuries that um, are because, <laughs> you know, you were trying you, you were trying to be um, you're trying to be Hercules and, and yeah, you know, yeah. or that you had surgery and it you know, didn't heal right or whatever. Gotcha. Mm. Mm. Well, I didn't think we we're going to I didn't think we we're going to talk about that on the show. That's awesome. Well, hey, mm, great. You know, you never know what we're going to end up. But speaking of throwing up, um <laughs> I, that was the worst segue? transition. I've, I, yeah, yeah, the worst segue ever. I just didn't know where we were going to keep go after we ended up with. Well, these are the two ways, the most common ways of getting a hernia, and then it's like, well, good night, everyone. Or speaking of throwing up, so, uh, you know, I work at a church, and I found out I stumbled upon this biggest fear of another pastor at the church in his biggest fear of all time would be throwing up during a sermon and he has mm. gone so far as to he has a detailed plan of what he would do if he begins to throw up while preaching but begins and, to like if yeah. it's like okay. well the the you know heaving begins to happen <laughs> oh man and and he's made a exit strategy and he has somehow a backup plan with his notes so that maybe it could be finished. So Is, does it include someone in the front row going, hallelujah, whenever he runs yeah. out? Yeah. It's a, cu- a major distraction. He actually throws a smoke bomb down on the ground and then disappears and then comes <laughs> back. I mean, that is a, that is a healthy fear, right? Like, I mean, you've, oh, yeah. you've, pl- you've planned around it. That's a healthy fear. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh yeah. That's like me with diarrhea while preaching. You know, you just <laughs> what do you what do you do? Uh, I don't know how Tyler, to get out of on. this. Come yeah, on, Tyler. I, I can't get out of this. Listen, at the, if you're still listening at this point, you pretty much know what you're in for, yeah. right? Absolutely. If yeah. you've made it through the 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 splinters and queasiness, and yeah, I had a I had a fear of public speaking, but I got over it. 
it wasn't a fear, but it was just like a fear of that kind of stuff happening. Last year, we were having a presentation by a guy at work. Uh, was a corporate guy, and I don't know him, but he showed up to give a presentation, and he started talking, and in the middle of it, he just started going, <laughs> and we were like, and we were like, <laughs> we looked at each other, <laughs> and he did that thing, like, you know, in the heartburn commercial where they, like, dramatically, like, t- touch their heart, like, make a fist and, like, kind of softly, dramatically pound their chest, and then make that, like, oh. No <laughs> face, so he started going. He started going, and he was from another country, so he was a little bit hard to understand. But he was like, "It's uh, hold on," and someone was like, some of the people in the front row were kind of backing up slowly because we didn't know what was going on. And he goes, "It's just that thing, um, it'll pass." And we're like looking at him, and he goes, "And the and the one guy was like, do you if you need to go to the bathroom, we can wait." And he's like. And he held up one finger like, no, it's okay. And we all just held our breath for what felt like 30 minutes, but I'm sure was 15 seconds, trying to see if this guy was going to lose it on the front row of people. And he just goes, (sighs) and then he's like, I get into like, I think what he's trying to say is he gets indigestion when he's traveling, but he, that was like, it was like, he's like, and so when you see the new system, you're going to, <laughs> we were all just like, ah! Oh, so man. that was always my greatest fear, but I got over it by being forced to just speak in front of people a bunch of times. I would rather be afraid of forgetting what I was going to say than than having that scenario. So I just try to focus on the lesser of two evils. So let me ask a question in a little bit of a topic change. Have you guys gone through the phase as you're now, you know, firmly planted in your thirty? 30s of trying to decipher what you still can do even though you feel like you can still do it versus what you can't still do you mean like you mean like athletically and physically, yes. right yeah. yeah yeah not mentally hopefully i mean have you have you met that challenge or that moment where you're like whoa yeah not anymore yeah and this as dumb as this is going to sound um Mm-hmm. My body is telling me that it doesn't want to run anymore. <laughs> I am not kidding. Like I, you, I hear you laugh, but I can do like three miles, four miles, five miles fairly consistently. Mm-hmm. But if I if I get up above five miles, like my body doesn't like it. Like it it it, and it's not just like me being lazy. It's like I don't know. You know, something will start hurting or. Yep. It's weird. It's like, because my brain says, oh, you just built up a tolerance just like you've always done, you know, for the 30 some odd years. And now my body's like, yeah, buddy, um, no, you're not going to build up a tolerance. So let's start doing things like biking. Yep. And let's uh, let's think about swimming, you know, or, or like things that are lower impact on all your joints and uh, in your body. So that's that's one of mine for sure. Yeah, I can't run um, as as fast. And I had always thought so when I was 20 nine um i ran in a race that was like it was not a big deal at all but i thought um i and i i came you know i placed some top five or something and i thought oh that's awesome next year i'll move up into the 30 year old you know 30 to 39 group and if i just keep training the same way then i should be able to win and what i realized is the 30 to 39 age group is actually the most competitive like okay so i live in a college town right so the the 20 to 29 age group is super competitive on if there's a race while college is in 
because all of those kids like roll out of bed after doing you know who knows what the night before and still run you know 530 splits in a mile um but the 30 to 39 age group is the i'm gonna prove that i still have it age group and i didn't get that at all and so then i started racing in the age group and those people were just destroying me with times and so i assumed if i just kept training the same way i would eventually get faster like they did and that is not true at all i'm getting progressively slower no matter what i do so maybe my body's telling me to stop running also i don't know i find that my limits are not during the workout but in my recovery is when Mm. i've started to experience the i can't bend over and pick up my socks after five minutes (laughs) five minutes after i just got done running because everything has tightened up so badly or I just picked up my son who had an appointment today and only weighs 22.7 pounds and it feels like my lower spine is going to shoot out into the wall behind me. And so Natalia has been telling me for a long time, you're not 25, so maybe don't work out like you're 25 or work out smarter. And I've been ignoring and ignoring and ignoring thinking that, no, that's fine. I just need to push it harder until I'm pretty sure the other day, I did a at-home workout during the coronavirus of some burpees. And I either had a mix of heat stroke and a heart attack. Or or heat stroke was definitely in there. I don't know what the other thing was. But I got to the point where I couldn't see. Like I know I could see, but it wasn't processing. And so I just laid on the floor for about 15, 20 minutes until I felt like I was able to get up. I made it from the basement to the kitchen where I laid on the cooler tile floor for a while. And then finally Natalia comes in and is like, what's wrong with you? I was like, all I could get out was I hurt and I don't know what to do. And so I had to take a cold shower and literally take a nap. And the workout was 25 minutes long. Like that's, (laughs) that's not good. So, so Tyler, you know he laid on the floor for probably a solid 45, maybe yeah. an hour and a half, and he was like, oh, I laid on the floor for 15 minutes. Uh, no, you didn't. You just passed out, and then you woke up. Yeah, there's. I mean, well, that's prob- obviously what happened. I have no idea. Actually, I woke up, and I was already in the tub, and shower water was going, so I don't want to talk about that because it was messy, and I cried a lot. So, <laughs> so Tyler, to, to your point with the running thing, right, uh, I was training for a full marathon, and it was a is a medium run, right? So it was like 13 miles. I'm pretty sure it was that. That was the number. I got to the car and the same feeling like Josh is describing, right? And I was like, man, what is going on? I feel so terrible. Okay, I just need to get home and get some water. So I, I drove home, dummy, right? I ended up getting home. I told Katie, I was like, Katie, I feel horrible. I have no idea what is wrong. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't figure out what's going on with me. All I need to do, all I want to do is sit on the couch. I just want to sit on the couch. And I'm sitting on the couch and then she she's like, always looking stuff up. So she's like, maybe you need some salt. Maybe your electrolytes got all messed up. I took normal, um, you know, like pink Himalayan salt um, and put it (laughs) under my tongue. Okay. And no joke immediately felt better. Are you serious? Oh, it was within 30 seconds and I Mm -hmm. felt exponentially better. And then it just kept getting better and better and better. I ate some beef jerky, which was like super salty. Right. And it's like, I just kept getting better and better. So, the only thing I can think is like I somehow had gotten my electrolytes all out of whack 
on like one of the longer runs. It was strange. It was so strange. So are you recommending the pink Himalayan salt being better than just table salt? I just put salt under my tongue. Is this where we now plug one of our sponsors? Pink Himalayan. <laughs> See, so, okay, I have two bad running injury stories. One, when I used to live in, in Colorado, where Corey lives now, I was visiting my uncle in Colorado Springs, and I was, I, because I had, well, I wasn't visiting really. I had a business meeting early in the morning down in Pueblo. You know where that is? You know where that is, Corey, right? Oh, I know where Pueblo is. Yeah. And so I lived in Denver, and the meeting was at like seven, so, or no, like eight. So I just spent the night at, in Colorado Springs at my uncle's, and that way I didn't have to get a hotel down there, you know, drive down. So I got up extra early. Went to Gold's Gym right as it opened right there in Colorado Springs and decided I'm going to go for a run. So I'm running and running, watching Sports Center, running. And then I hear, and I was like, what was that? And then I take my next step in excruciating pain, goes up my leg, and I thought I was like someone stabbed me. So I'm holding myself up with on like my hands on both of the little arms on the treadmill, kind of doing Lamaze breathing, like, and it's just me and the guy at the, uh, the counter and he walks over and he's like, but are you all right? And I was like, I think I broke my foot. And he was like, <laughs> he's like running. I was like, yeah. He's like, Oh, you got to come up with a better story than that, dude. <laughs> I was like, okay. So I get off the treadmill. My foot has already swollen so much. I can't get my shoe off. So I go down, I, I but I'm like, I can't miss my meeting. So I, uh, it was a new office location for where, for not where I was going to be, but for the part of the state government I work for. So when I arrive, my foot is like just throbbing so bad that I, I could barely stand it. turns out it's a walking tour of the new building. So <laughs> I, I make it through about 15, 20 minutes. I pull my boss aside and I was like, I think I broke my foot this morning and I can't walk. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I pulled up my pant leg and my shoe was undone and my foot was swelling out of my shoe. And she was like, oh my Lord, what are you doing here? Please leave and go to the hospital. So um, so I drove with my left foot, because it was my right foot, back to Colorado Springs, spent the night and then went to my own doctor. And the guy goes, we don't even need to x-ray that. That's broken. And so <laughs> I ended up having a cast for eight weeks second story i was running a downhill half marathon from somewhere off like along the trail along uh, 70 that goes up into the mountains down to um i forget whatever town so as i'm running i start to because it's all downhill i did not plan for the feet sliding in the shoes as you go down on each impact so at about mile seven I start to feel excruciating hot spots and blisters starting to form on the bottom of my feet. However, I just continue to run through it. When I get to my house at the end, I take my shoes off and 99.9% of the bottom of both of my feet were blisters that had popped and then skinned off and I couldn't uh, put any pressure. So I missed a week of work with my feet up because I couldn't walk and I had my feet wrapped in, in gauze and neosporin for the next four days while they recovered. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> it was the worst thing ever. Are we really bad? At, you need to stop running. Yeah. Are we really yeah. bad at running? Like, are there people out there that do all this stuff and they're okay? 
Here's the thing. I don't think that we're bad at running. I think we're bad at listening to our bodies. Oh, okay. And I also think that some people are made to mm. run and some mm-hmm. people aren't made to run. And I think that we might be in we might lean closer to the category of not made to run. I do. I'm telling you that right now. Well, so here's the other thing about getting older that I've realized um I I diagnosing myself but i pulled my hamstring playing ultimate frisbee years ago like three years ago now and up until that point in my life whenever i hurt myself it always just eventually went away um and it never went away and it still hurts now and i realized at some point in the last three years like that's just how it is now like certain things are just gonna hurt and they're not gonna go away and like i'm not going to the doctor because i'm not an you know i'm not an athlete like i need my hamstring all 100 percent I'm just going to have pain in my hamstring until I die. Like that's really an unsettling feeling. Yeah. It is. It's terrible. It's terrible. And I have one of those too, right? Like that is like, oh, yeah, I'm just, that's going to hurt yeah. forever. And some days it'll hurt more than others, mm-hmm. but that's going to hurt for forever until I die. Yeah. Um, so have you guys seen the Barkley Marathons? Yes. Um, the documentary on the, the guys who run the, or the folks who run the Barkley Marathons. And then what's the other Oh, there's another crazy one. Um, it's the guy who ran. He set the the Appalachian Appalachian Trail record. Oh, oh, uh, what's that one? But anyhow, those are really good. Yeah, um, and they and they show people absolutely destroying their body. But those guys were made to run. Oh yeah, uh, for sure. I've gone down this rabbit hole recently on um, uh, YouTube of watching like Olympic runners run different distances and uh and their training and it's just fascinating to me to watch uh how insane they are even at, during their training and then my thoughts often go to if i did that one time the night before i would be so anxious about what my body was what was going to happen to my body the next day i probably wouldn't sleep and yet they do that every single day and uh i watched a video of uh, the guy who broke the two-hour marathon record, he averaged a four-minute and 53-second mile for 26.2 miles. And when he got to the finish line, wasn't in pain, sprinted, was jumping up and down as he's running, and then goes and hugs everybody. And I just thought, that might not be a human being. Tyler, did you, did you watch that, the guy run that thing? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've seen part of it. I know what you're talking about. That was like the most confusing thing in the world to me, right? Because I'm watching this thing and I didn't like read about it. So I didn't have any context about how it was going to happen. But there's this guy running and then he's got all these other guys running around him. And I was like, well, what's the big deal if all these guys are going to, you know, go sub like sub two, Mm -hmm. the whole group's going sub two. I was like, that, I mean, that's, that's not impressive. Or I mean, it was impressive, but I was like, I thought this one guy was going to break it and it was going to be amazing. And then I read about it and like the other guys would take breaks (laughs) and then they would come in and they would pace him and like, then they would take breaks. And I was like, Oh, he's the only one that runs the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) That that makes a lot more sense now. Okay. I feel, I feel better about this. So I'm not the only one that's watched that then. Oh no, no. I watched it. Good. Good. I just That's think insane. I just think if they showed me doing that, there'd just be a camera on the finish line with nothing happening until they realized I was I was dead <laughs> on mile three. Uh, yeah, Corey, how long have you lived in Denver? We are at two years now. 
a little over two years now. How long is it? Have you fully? How long did it take you to do the altitude adjustment? Uh, altitude wasn't terrible. I would say it probably took me six months or so. But at the same time, I wasn't doing like a lot of um, crazy activity type mm-hmm. stuff. You know, and I was mainly just working, walking, and um, you know, like I would work out and stuff like that. But if you were like, I wasn't running a lot then, yeah, because um, of my hip. Like I was having hip issues. So yeah, you're issues. pretty old. <laughs> Jeez. Um, I when I lived there, me and a friend used to do a lot of the fourteeners. And so we had planned to do a fourteener this one weekend and during that uh that weekend I had a buddy from back in Pittsburgh call me and say, Hey, he was gonna be in Denver, would love to hang out. And I said, Well, hey, we're going to go hike this mountain. Do you wanna come? And he was like, Yeah, sure. Bad idea. Yeah. Sea level to 14,000 feet, probably within literally eight hours, nine hours. And at the top, he said he was thinking he was experiencing blindness. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe he made it. Like, that's amazing. That he, he, made, made it. he made it. And on the way down, I've never seen someone in so much pain. I mean, he was a fit guy, but like he just, you know, wasn't adjusted. And so when we get to the bottom, he literally... It was like involuntary from exhaustion began crying. And as he's sitting in the passenger seat of my car, tearing up and crying, he just looks at me and goes, you can never tell anyone about this. And well, at least you've never told anyone. Now it's on a yeah. podcast. Yeah. Well, I didn't mention his name. so. All right. So can I jarringly transition into something else? Yes. <laughs> Please. Um, so – one thing that I keep thinking about a lot, and I don't know why, but it's really, really frustrating me. And maybe this is like a dumb statement because it's obvious, but I feel like maybe this is one of those things that everyone says, but people don't really practice. It's been driving me nuts recently um, how like, as humans, we have this thing where we need to group everybody by like the most um, – the currently most expressive thing about them, like either who they are, what they say, whatever, but like the thing that you notice about someone first, because it's like the most out there thing um, about them, or like the first thing you notice about them, then you immediately group them into a category. Now I know everyone says like, Oh, people are all individual, but the way we act is like grouping everybody together. So one, do you think that's like just a human defense kind of mechanism that we can't get over, even though we're all going to talk about it until we die? And then two, do you do that? Do you acknowledge that you do that when you do it? And, and does it bother you as much as it drives me insane? So just to summarize, do I group people by a quality or a characteristic that they have well i mean everyone does that i guess do you acknowledge that when you do it or is it just kind of go by subconsciously and you don't think about it i don't know i definitely do it but i don't think like i don't think i like write it on a piece of paper and be like oh tyler xyz right and like i put the characteristic down there but like i do I definitely do it. So how does it how does it happen? And maybe I just look at the wrong websites and stuff and, and whatever, but like it happens all the time. And and here's an example of here's here's something that really bothers me. So um the the group of people that I work with are on on one end um of the spectrum 
we'll just say like the political spectrum, that it'd be really easy to group them all together in one group and just say they are X. Now, when I'm with them, I am almost at the very far end, like in the other direction, away from what people would say that they are, um, while still kind of associating with that group. In, in my everyday life, though, people would look at me and say like, oh, you are associated with them. That means you this, 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 and this. And I am not 75% of the things that the, the cartoonish classification represents are not me. But like it all depends on context. And I don't know how to get out of that. Like it's been driving me crazy. Even in addition to that, one of the things that is frustrating is sometimes you are characterized by what you don't say rather than what you do say or how whether you take if 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 something outrageous happens and it almost feels like everyone needs to say something about it in order to then not be categorized with the group that says nothing about it even if you don't agree with the group that says nothing about it you just don't feel that it's your place to make a comment does that make sense yeah like you have to have a take on everything yeah, everything has to have a take, and if not, if you say something, you'll get lumped, and if you don't say something, you'll get lumped, and so I just kind of stay out of it because <laughs> it's so frustrating, and I think what I've experienced that the most is sharing the gospel. Uh, by identifying yourself as a Christian, then you carry the weight of all of those stereotypes and all of those um, uh, cultural, I guess, uh, norms or normative ways of thinking about Christianity today when that's not true. And so I think the art becomes how do you approach a conversation or approach someone in a way that the door isn't shut before you can even begin to talk to them or the judgment isn't passed. I guess I, I think about this a little bit differently. Um I almost have like a defeatist attitude yeah. towards it mm-hmm. and not in a bad way, but I have a, I have an attitude that says, Hey, you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to do it. And part of the reason I know you're going to do it is because I do it and I don't even realize I do it. Mm-hmm. But if you get to know me, mm-hmm. it's different, right. right? Like if you get to know me, you can see the nuances and the, the defeatist part or the, the part that says, okay, um, I can't worry about everybody's classification of me, right? Like I just can't do it because I would go crazy. Mm-hmm. So I choose not to worry about anybody's classification of me until they make it to like the, not the inner circle, but until they make it to like the circle of influence where now it's like a, okay, we've built rapport. I trust you. You trust me. Mm-hmm. We've actually know each other more than just like a passing glance. And now if you tell me, Hey man, this is you. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not me. Now I care. Like now I care more than, than I do. Like, so it's like if one of the two of you said something about me, sure. I'd be like, whoa, 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 wait up. Like we need to talk about this versus if Joe Schmo walking down the street, you know, he learns that I'm sure. I don't know. A dad, a, you know, a, a dad of, of three boys and then makes a, a judgment. It's like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like make your judgment. I don't really care. Um, that's fine. I, so Ty, like, I think that's why I have a little bit harder time processing it the way that you described it is because it's like I don't think of it that way. I think of it as, eh, whatever, until the circle is formed. I guess the thing that bothers me, though, is like so 
I don't want to say anything overtly personal because I feel like people immediately are going to be like, eh, yeah. mm. and, and, and I don't want that, but I, I don't know. Like, so I know that we're all kind of a product of the media we surround ourselves with that we choose to, especially now in the age of podcasts on every topic and, and whatever. But to me, the most reasonable people that I listen to left, right, down the middle, whatever their beliefs are and all those kind of things, the people that I that I say, yeah, yeah, that makes sense, are saying like, listen, you need to get to know somebody. You need to um, have them try to understand you as a person, like your individual, um, you know, oh, well, uh, if you're for this, then you have to be for that. But like people get to know you and know that that's not true about you. And then you can make statements like, I voted for Bernie Sanders or I voted for Donald Trump or whatever without all of the everything that's attached to that. But I just wonder – and like Corey, maybe specifically in a in a university setting um, as, as a professor, like how – do you ever have those conversations with people about personal – not like weirdly personal but like personal things like – uh, this is what I think about politics or religion or whatever. Can you have those with people 18 to 22 um, anymore? Absolutely. Uh, um, and I do. Right. And I, and I, I did at um, state school. I did at, you know, the private school that I teach at now. Like I, I have those conversations when, when they're appropriate and when they're relevant. And like, uh-huh. that's the big kicker for me, right. Is, uh-huh. Where you get into trouble is when you try to have that conversation in an inappropriate way or when you try to have that conversation in like a backhanded or irrelevant way. If it's if it's part of the conversation and if it's relevant to what's happening in either the classroom or a student's life or your life or whatever it is, most of the time it's received really well. Now, I mean, they might still have their opinion on it and that's fine. Like they can they can have, you know, their opinion on it, but you won't you won't get the the backlash necessarily, or at least I haven't experienced the backlash um, because it's been genuine and it's been like, Hey, I'm a human and I am not representing, but I always like, I kind of always make that disclaimer though. It's like, I am not, this is not my faculty hat on right now. Like this mm-hmm. is not me being in, in control of your class experience right now. This is, this is, you know, me as a human, um, and sometimes I'll even switch and I won't call myself Dr. Hickson. I'll say, this is, this is Corey mm-hmm. talking now. Right. And that like, I think helps change the mental, the mental shift. I mean, you're always going to get the, the, the students or the people who, you know, they have a, they have an ax to grind and they're going to grind it. You know, like they already know their thing before you even say it. But if I've found that if I, um, if I'm doing it appropriately, it doesn't, it doesn't end up having a problem being a problem so do you guys think that media whatever that means whether it's a youtube channel or msnbc or fox news or whatever do you think that it has a real influence the, the same way that it's projected to do you think it has that influence over people or not because what i hear you saying makes sense but what i see is the promotion of a lot of lazy takes um mm-hmm. over and over and over again on the same talk, you know, like uh, how could evangelicals vote for Donald Trump? That's like a real easy take to just say a whole bunch of stupid crap that a bunch of other people have said, or like how could Bernie Sanders supporters have given up so easily and just 
voted for Joe Biden. Like there's really easy ways to just make those arguments that are stupid, that they're not stupid, but they're lazy. Like people have made them a thousand times and no one's trying to understand the individual. So do you guys think that the media has the same, that influence or they're just trying to say that they do and they really don't? I think that there's a lot of groupthink that goes on or um, uh, people don't. I think that whatever is, whoever screams the loudest, whether they're right or wrong, a lot of times people go with them because they don't, they, even if they don't think the same thing or believe the same thing, because it's just easier and they don't want to get labeled as something different than, than what the group is doing or thinking or culture. Um, and so, um, I think that there's a lot of people out there right now that get swayed to do things that they don't even maybe personally agree with, but would never voice that publicly. And so I think the media can create a culture by yelling loud enough and making it scary enough to have a different thought that therefore shuts the mouth of people and ends up getting people to just kind of follow along with, with what they're saying because it, it's the lesser of two evils is to be quiet and just do what culture says than to stand for what you believe in because you don't have to deal with conflict or actually defend yourself or have a reasoned defense for why you think the way you do, no matter what the issue is. And so um, I would, I, I think the, the, what is, I guess, projected or what it, the, what it feels like to me is a lot of times uh, the media talks in absolutes and everybody thinks this way. Well, of course this is right. And um, and so it feels like everybody but me, some whatever the, you know, certain issues thinks a certain way. Yet, I don't think those absolute statements are true uh, that they say. Well, of course everybody knows this, or that was obviously a lie. And it's, um, but I think it would be hard pressed to get someone to to disagree because of the consequences of disagreement with what like the the majority group think is. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I get your point, yeah. um, I, and I think they're they're well they're well made. A couple of things that I would tweak and add: it's not just loud, but it's repetition, mm-hmm. right? Like it's the it's mm-hmm. the echo chamber effect. And and you might have said that that Josh and I missed it, but mm-hmm. it's like you get in that echo chamber, and it's just like you're just pummeled. The other thing is like the idea of. I want to find the things that I want to hear. Mm-hmm. So I look for the things that I want to hear, right? So do they, does the media have the influence? Yeah, because they're the ones that I put in front of my face and then I hear the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, one of the things that, that drove me crazy, and I don't care what news station you talk about, mm-hmm. is the fact that like you just, like you watch a 45-minute segment on something and you hear the same thing nine times in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's a whole world of news that we're not we're not hearing about right now because you're just driving home the same point over and over and over again. So that's one thing. The second thing that I would say is people are lazy, mm-hmm. right? So that's a big part of it too. Yes, the media has influence, but it's also because people are lazy and they don't want to think, yep. right? So they don't want to take what somebody's saying and actually critically analyze it or mm-hmm. actually compare both sides of the argument and say, do I actually agree with this? How do I agree with this? Mm-hmm. Do I agree with parts of it and not other parts? What, how do I articulate my my idea? It's more of just like, oh, no, they said it. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Like, th- that seems good. And, 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 I, and I'm guilty of this at times, right? Like, there, there are times when I'm lazy, so I'm not saying I'm better better necessarily than anybody else. But it's a matter of, I think that those are the two reasons, 
in addition to to the stuff Josh said, right? Like those are the two reasons in my mind why the media can have such a such a big influence. And I think the uh, kind of combining what you just said, Corey, with what you you said earlier about you know just not paying attention to those things. You know, if people label you for whatever, I think with all of that going on. Uh, or, or with with the repetition, you know, I love listening to sports talk. But by the time you get to the f- the fourth show, it is the exact same thing because there's nothing new. And a lot of times, news kind of creates a narrative that becomes a self fulfilling prophecy. And so it they almost like will something into existence. I feel like or 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 a uh, an idea, a d- ideal or or something like that into existence. But regardless of all of that. Um, the way I kind of handle this or deal with this is I think about my faith. I think about um, my faith and how it interacts with culture um, and and how that looks and, and and what that looks like in my life, in my everyday life. And what is um, – I try to – so it helps me to analyze. Like I don't really care what people say about me as long as it's – you know, truthful, I guess, or, I mean, well, that doesn't necessarily hold true. I guess people could say whatever they want, but as long as I'm not giving them cause to, uh, uh, to validate what they're saying. But anyway, it's, I just kind of decide I need to choose, pick and choose what hill I'm going to die on, uh, essentially. Like what's the issue that, or what's the thing that someone says to me that is of so high utmost importance, not necessarily even to me as a person, but to, maybe what I believe in, uh, as a Christian or things like that, that is something I can't compromise, that I won't or don't want to compromise on. Um, but it helps me to really put in perspective, like what things are minors and what things are majors and how can I major on majors and minor on minors? Um, and how can I live peaceably with others, even though they have uh, a differing of opinion? So I'm not going to just go out and swinging on every time I disagree with someone about something, cause it might just not even be worth it. Um, that, you know, whether they're slandering me or, you know, something that I believe. So, so I, I, last thing I'm going to throw out there, um, is, and, and I, if we can get the community part of this set up, I'd love to hear other people's input too, or see it, um, is do you, so is this a pendulum thing where it's going to swing back someday against corporate media narratives to the point where I know that Twitter is a trash hole. But where there are things like podcasts or online communities where people can pass around their ideas to show their individualism, like almost a pushback on this corporate mindset of, oh, you all think alike, you all think alike, let's fight each other. Or do you think, do you think this is a downward spiral to the end? Um, and, and if you don't think it's a downward spiral to the end, how do you think we get out of it? That's heavy, man. Yeah. Like that's a that's a big question. Well, um, you have ten seconds, so I, give me an answer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, the optimist in me wants to say it's not a downward spiral to the end, right? That like, it, I don't want to say it's a pendulum because I don't know if it's I don't know if it swings. If it does, the pendulum doesn't swing very far, and I don't think it's going to swing very far. I think um, that there will always be divisions, right? And there will always be strong and polarized divisions. And I don't think we're ever getting away from that. Mm-hmm. Now, I also don't know if I, if I think then this is like the more, you know, negative side of me. I also don't know if I think that that's um, going to spi- spiral us into a downward, you know, uh, what would you, what'd you call it, Tyler? Um, 
spiraling downward to the end. Yeah, yeah, to the end, right? Like I don't, I don't think it's going to spiral downward to the end. Do you know why? Because I think that's the way humans have been forever. Mm-hmm. Like I think humans have always been polarized people that go at each other because they believe strongly about things and they should believe strongly about things. I think that it's amplified now because of technology and it's amplified now because of, um, because of lack of a distance. And I don't mean physical distance, but I mean lack of distance from one thought to another or one voice to another. Like it's so easy to just throw things out there. Whereas before you wrote a letter 17 weeks later, it got delivered Right, and then that person wrote a letter back to you, and your quote unquote debate took seven years mm-hmm. for you to talk about you know like one thing <laughs> and then you had a duel at the end and shot each other <laughs> yeah exactly uh you you knew where I was going with that um but but now we can just get online and just throw words up, and then you know thirty minutes later, we've spewed a bunch of hate back and forth to each other, or potentially not, and potentially had a really good conversation and and it all just depends. So I don't think the polarization, I don't think it's necessarily going to lead us uh, in one direction or another. I think it's just going to always, it's going to be there. It's going to always be there. I mean, I agree with you that humans have always been this way. And, I, you know, if you look back and, uh, you know, even in, in scripture, um, you know, at, at times it feels like, man, what is this world coming to? But there's other societies at other times where I'm sure people thought that exact same thing. Um, and, 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 you know, things are cyclical, like, uh, and it's a shame, but things keep happening. But, um, I, I just think that there's something today that's different with, um, than back then because of media, uh, the world has become much smaller and things that happen in one place that, you know, in 1940, if something happened in some town in, you know, a little town in France, you would never know it here. And now you know it within 45 minutes of someone typing it down, writing it down or typing it and, and, and posting it. And so I think things travel farther. I think we're moving even the division or things that we experience in our country right now. It's, it, it's actually things are not just um, kind of nationwide movements but international movements that happen and things start to happen now and 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 different things impact and so i'm not like a doomsday or anything like that and i'm not saying like we're the world's over um but i just i just feel like there's this weird momentum and everybody um wants to be a part of something bigger and and so when there is a hot button issue or something to get fired up about people gravitate to that and they do it whether they really agree with it or not because they feel part of something and they want to be connected in some way and it just spurs division um i think a lot and it's sad because i don't think people are really as convicted about the things they're yelling about um uh as they would appear to be um so i it's hard for me to say. I mean, I think the internet and and you know, uh, different platforms can be used for a lot of good and a lot of you know, uh, social uh, or a lot of social good and and um, uh, in ways of healing and things. But I think the the destructiveness, I think, whether that be news media or whatever has has been heightened in the in the past few years i think for sure yeah i just i don't know like bringing it back around to labels i just feel like 
everything now is either like your your politics or your religion or lack of religion is now like the thing that's defining you the most um because even things like race and sexuality and all those things are wrapped up in these other identities now which seems so unfair but it but it just it just seems now like things that were immutable characteristics of people that they kind of talked about with almost like a sacredness of it um, is now like just part of your political identity or your religious agenda in the in the broader cultural context, which is so unfair to so many people, I think. But I feel like I feel like we're driving it that way because back to what you guys said earlier, it's laziness. Like it's a lot easier to just say, oh, you believe this? Well, you then if you believe this, you hate these people or if you if you think this social program is right, then you also think this thing's right, which means you disenfranchise these people. You know, it's just like this never ending cycle where it, it just, I guess the, you know, to use Corey's word, the defeatist in me is like, I can't talk to everybody in the country. Like I can't individually say, here's what I believe. Here's what I think about X, Y, and Z issue. So it feels the inertia that I was talking about before just feels like it's driving us to pick sides. Like this is your team. This is my team. I don't want to really be on this team, but I guess it's better than the other team. So, okay, here we go. Yeah. I think one of the things I've learned too is I can't be responsible for others' emotions and the way they react or handle things. I can be responsible for myself, um, but I can't, I can't carry that on me to to be concerned about the way that you're going to receive something um now i'm not saying i'm going to go out there and just like make people upset all the time like i want to care for people well but if you're speaking truth to someone in love um then then you know you you can only do so much you can't i can't go inside someone and make them respond a, a certain way um or feel a certain way and i and i also think to, to your point a little bit, Tyler, is that people take uh, certain parts of who they are and make that their whole identity, and then that becomes who they are. And, and so I think, like, I, whether that be whatever uh, part of you, I, I think that sometimes people place their – they're looking for significance, right? And so when I was talking about um, – earlier uh, uh, about um, people wanting to be a part of something bigger, I guess what I was really saying is people want to be known for something. They want to have an identity. Um, and so they're going to latch on to whether that's, you know, identity politics or whatever that would be and align themselves with something and then go all at it because they want their life to be significant and count for something. And so I think whether they fully agree with it or not, if that starts to be stripped away from someone by a comment you make or, or not even stripped away but challenged, I think that's where it's deeper than the actual topic or the issue at hand. It now becomes an identity thing to them and it becomes part of the community and family that they've formed uh, around that identity. And so when you begin to attack something so core to someone, that is when the um, – uh, the strong emotion, the anger, the reviling type stuff comes out because they're not really even debating the topic anymore. They're saying, you can't take this from me because this is who I am um, and I need this. It's my community. And, and, that, uh, and I understand that. But it's also sad 
um, because we have now hitched ourselves to things and, and, and have made our life kind of the value and worth of our life dependent on something that probably is going to fail us in some way. Um, and so I think division comes from a deeper level than even what's on the surface. HerdImmunityPod.com